0: You probably noticed that there are certain blockchains that develop so fast and they come up with innovative solutions, but then they break. You know, they go down and then you have to reset it and, you know, you have to change the code. And and by doing that, you're also changing the rules of the game.
1: When you think about identity and then you think about blockchain, are those two separate layers? How they are interacting between each other to make sure that identity is proven, is verified, and that way we can kind of uh, have more transparency and security as well
0: because some of the tasks people has been doing in the past is just not value adding when you have a superior technology as blockchain or AI but they will have a role if they choose to play that role because it actually takes up you know years and years of solid work to become a, a trusted institution.
1: Joining me today is Frederic Gregard, CEO of Cardano Foundation. Governance is super important and is something that has been overlooked in the blockchain and crypto space. Cardano has put governance at the top of its priority. What we need to have a good governance in crypto. Why AI and blockchain should interact to be a better data models. Identity is the base for mass adoption of crypto and also adding towards interoperability and standard of regulation. When we talk about interoperability people think just about interoperability of blockchains but it's not just that it's actually being interoperable with the legacy systems before we get into the interview i want to ask you a favor if you're not yet part of our community please join us subscribe to our youtube channel and to our podcast on spotify leave us a review more support that we can get from our community better the show Can be, and I really want. to have more of you following us, interacting and engage with our channel. Ask any question that you have, leave a comment on YouTube and also follow us on social media to stay up to date with our news and interviews, but also interact with us. Remember, you can always DM me or send me an email at steffi at financialfox.news. And just one thing, all the content here is for informational purposes only. We don't give any financial advice. Remember, when it comes down to crypto, the market is very volatile and you need to make sure that you do all your due diligence, all your research before you make any investment decision. Hi, Frederick. Great to have you on the show.
0: Thank you, Stephanie, for inviting me.
1: Yeah, it's really good. So, today, Obviously, we are going to be talking about Cardano. You are the CEO of Cardano Foundation. So so tell me a little bit about what Cardano Foundation does and you know how you are helping the Cardano ecosystem to strive.
0: Yeah, sure. So the Cardano Foundation is quite different setup than a, a, a traditional blockchain foundation, if I can use the term so wide. So we don't own the Cardano blockchain, we don't direct the Cardano blockchain, we don't own the monetary policy, we haven't done an ICO or anything like that. So we are we are sort of differently positioned, which also means that we can do different things. So last year, the three things we were focusing a lot on was uh, operation resilience, because we have this notion that Cardano is built for billions of people. And uh, alone that is something we can have maybe an hour discussion about, because we think about blockchains they are not normally built for scale. Uh, but Cardano actually is. And if you want to have a billion people and you want to have sort of business critical or life critical applications, you want to ensure that the blockchain continues and it doesn't go down. So this notion about disaster recovery and about predictability and reliability of the blockchain is very important. You probably noticed that there are certain blockchains that develop so fast and they come up with innovative solutions, but then they break, you know, they go down and then you have to reset it and, you know, you have to change the code and and by doing that, you're also changing the rules of the game, which basically puts sort of a question on, you know, why do we have a blockchain compared to a centralized sort of, you know, normal technology stack? So operational resilience is is the first silo or thong in the Cardano Foundation, which is very important for us. The The second thing is education. So what we noticed in the last, uh, for me, I've been in blockchain and, and cryptocurrencies for for about six, seven years now or something like that. Uh, actually, a bit more than that now. But we noticed is that for many of us, we came into this space because of Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is an amazing invention. It really changed the game. But it, it's also so strong and so focused on one specific use case that very often... You, it's very hard for you to go away from that use case and look at something completely different. So when we speak about education, we really think about two things. We think about A, regulators, policymakers, uh, auditors and lawyers. What do they need to know about third generation blockchains, where there is not one use case, but there's thousands of use cases, where there's not one type of identity, but there's different types of identity. And when there's not just, let's say, not one type of governance but there's multiple types of governance what does that really do and one of the first things we see it does is it changes the notion that blockchain is only for capital markets use cases it can be for a lot of different things the other part of education is really related to the fact that that you know blockchain had a hype maybe one or two years ago and a lot of people were speaking about it and it was sort of you know, the, the Swiss army knife solution to everything. You know, if it was, if something didn't go well, you said, oh, you can use a blockchain and it would be much better. So what we tried to do is we launched an educational platform, uh, which is called the Kadana Certificate, which basically is a, is, a, is, a, is a way for you to get free, high quality, up to date, third generation blockchain knowledge, which takes you from no knowledge to enough knowledge that you can deploy something on the blockchain. So it's not for software coders because then you need to code, right? But it's enough that a business person will need, will be able to understand what can I actually do? So what use cases are good and what use cases would, you know, not fit so well to a blockchain. And last but not least, we work uh, within uh, what we think about as adoption. And with adoption is really this notion that Cardano well, any blockchain, not just Cardano, need to get to what we think about as escape velocity. Escape velocity is defined as when you get to the state where there is sufficient business or commercial value, we can think about like that, who goes into the blockchain, that the blockchain becomes self-sufficient in terms of incentives, resources, and, and community. And to do that, what's important is, is, is transaction diversity. You want to get to a situation that you have multiple different types of applications and users and so on who uses the blockchain for something relevant and when they use something on a blockchain which is one of the found foundational forces of a blockchain it costs a little bit right that little thing if it's a gas fee or transaction fee is what powers the economic circle that the stake pool operators have enough incentive to get up, you know, in the late mornings because there's a, you know, problem with block propagation, or they see a warning, or you know, whatever that is, and and I think these things sort of creates this sort of this loop, this never ending circle, which basically makes the blockchains immortal if they're correctly done. Uh, so we've been focusing a lot on that for the last uh, for the last year. And we got really, really far and um, we'd love to, to talk about some of those things so we can talk about what's going on in the next 12 months.
1: Wow. Well, you mentioned so many things here. And uh, I think one aspect that I would like to stress before we get maybe a little bit more deeper into the Cardano community and ecosystem is about the role of governance. So mm-hmm. governance has been uh, a big uh, problem, a challenge, a failure in the crypto space. We have seen, uh, you know, many bad events happening over the last couple of years, you know, during this crypto winter, but I would say since the beginning of crypto, especially because there was no governance, right? So how important is governance? And how do you build a high standard governance in crypto?
0: So this is very difficult, right? And we're going back all the way to the ancient Greeks who defined, you know, governance and, you know, um, democracy and different types of hierarchical structures and so on. The reason why the old Greeks and and the textbooks from back then is still prevalent in how we rule society today at large and the spaceship we call Earth is because, you know, that's simply the best we got. You know, it's humans dealing with humans. And I think what really changed now is two things. First and foremost is for the first time we have a, a technology which is so dramatically different and has the ability to anchor everybody on the spaceship or earth in and that's called blockchain and the second thing which is happening which is happening really at scale right now is artificial intelligence whether this is machine learning or or neural networks and so on uh, we can get into that later if you want right but those that combination of those two things is really uh, challenging how things are going on and i think what's happening right now is that for in, in, on what I think about as the social systems in blockchain is that you rightfully says there's been a lot of learnings around governance. And we've seen maybe some some other platforms not faring so well. We even saw the largest platform saying, hey, we don't want governance on chain because they said, you know, it's just too complicated. It will never work. We need to deal with that off chain. And what we believe in in Cardano is we believe that If you build a social system, really like an infrastructure, a public infrastructure, is going to be the foundational force of society when we move along into the next stage where we'll be coexisting with robots and AI and so on. You need to do that right and you need to get as much on chain as possible. Otherwise, you will not be able to safeguard against some of those sort of ill consequences of technology. And so the first thing we did in the Cardano Foundation is we said we have a blockchain, we have cryptographic primitives. We actually do have everything we need to do a good vote. So we actually did a a voting event this year where we basically said, you know, there is some systems or there's some optimizations of a blockchain. It's called protocol parameters who allows the blockchain to. To skew it in a certain direction. Um, and we picked up two things, which we think will not break Cardano, but it will change Cardano. So one thing is what's called the min pool fee, which is basically sort of the minimum cost, uh, from a stake pool operator. And the other one is what is the optimal amount of, from an economic perspective, of stake pool operators in the system. So there's two a little bit nerdy things. Sorry for that for your, for listeners, but just think about this is two governance events who will not break the system. And then we basically uh, created from the Cardano foundation, um, a way where all the stake pool operators could uh, do a vote with an identity which was public. You know, normally when you vote, it's a secret, right? So yeah. you won't tell people what you're voting because then you get exposed. And we wanted to do the opposite with us for this is example because when you expose people, they become representatives. They nearly become politicians right because then suddenly you know a politician cannot say oh i don't want to say how i voted because he's represented a constituency behind him so by creating this way of a very good digital identity solid in the crypto uh, primitives and having the 3,000-something stake pool operators giving them the ability to vote, we actually created a situation where everyone could see how their stake pool operator was voting. And then there was a two-week gap where the people who has been delegating to that stake pool operator could say, I don't agree with what you voted, I will now find a new stake pool. So that gave us the learning wheels and the data points for the future development of governments to kind of understand what does it mean when you do a public vote versus a, a secret vote. And actually today is a very special day because I just voted on behalf of the Cardano Foundation in, in what we think about as the pre ratification of the Cardano Improvement Proposal CIP-1694, which gives us the governance tooling to do even more advanced voting, but also to put an on-chain governance in place on Cardano. And, you know in that by doing that we will then now not just you know do that for the first time because we had this previous experience plus we have what we think about as catalyst where we already have a lot of the funds who's being distributed also through, through a voting mechanism so i think one of the things when you ask me what are you doing differently since it seems to be working with you and cadano is that we're trying to do small things to get learnings and data points to do incremental uh, learnings instead of just one big switch and now it's day you know we we try to say okay how do we get these data points and how can we kind of not just we learn as a community, but also the people who will enter Cardano and the Cardano community in the future, how can they look back at some of those events and get some learnings and also participate in the future voting proposals and also on how you count the vote, for instance, and, and you know, those kind of things.
1: I think it's very interesting that you mentioned about creating the social infrastructure system as a fundamental to develop uh, um, governance, instance, on-chain, and the focus on identity being really the game changer. Uh, I was at a conference uh, last week in London, where we were discussing about how we can make regulation interoperable across different jurisdictions. And one of the solutions that we came up with in the panel was really uh, having this uh, digital identity, so your identity portable across different uh, um, jurisdictions, as uh, perhaps a base, uh, you know, to uh, build a regulatory framework that is uh, interoperable. I know that Cardano has been focusing on identity for many, many years, probably was one of, uh, probably was the first blockchain to really focus on identity with, uh, you know, I remember working with the guys at Atala Prism, and there was always a big effort, to, you know, even in emerging market, we put identity first because that's what enabled financial inclusion.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think... And and what I think people get wrong is very often you think about identity as you do uh, when you open a bank account. So it's something to do with an officially issued document from the state. It's something to do with maybe three salary slips and and something like that. We think about identity much wider. So, for instance, uh, at the moment, I I just got this, by the way. This is you're you're the first to see this. This is a a wine from from Georgia. It's from Bolnisi. It's a a region there. And what's special about this particular wine is not that it has a, a QR code which, by the way, is an identity, an identity of this wine, this exact wine is on the blockchain. But what you will see when you go on the blockchain and and look at this wine, you will see that the Georgian government is also issuing an identity from the agriculture ministry with a certificate of conformity, saying that this has gone through the export controls of the Georgian government to be exported as wine. And now suddenly we're speaking about, Oh, hold on a second. There's multiple identities here, right? There's an identity from a government who is verifying a set of data, sort of like a digital identifier thing. There's the identity of the wine. There's the identity of the custom authorities. And and when you think about that in sort of in a larger context this is much wider than what we classically think as uh, what you need to do a financial transaction right so you have lighter identities for machine identities you will have something which enables that oracles are not just an oracle but it's also you know maybe holding a part of a data record to verify that it is correctly issued right and you have sort of maybe official you know trade documents maybe under one of the world trade Organization standards for, for trade documents and so on and i think this is this is so So important. This is the power of digital transformation across nation states across systems and I think that's going to unleash so much value for the whole world as, a, as large.
1: When you think about identity and then you think about blockchain how do you see the two are those two separate layers how they are interacting between each other to make sure their identity is proven is verified and that way we can kind of have more transparency and security as well.
0: Well I always think about that there is an on-chain component as an off-chain component as soon as it moves off-chain i think it it becomes very often a little bit of a political aspect and it becomes you know it's in the mercy of our traditional systems and that's not necessarily bad it's just a trade-off we need to be aware of but i think that you know a couple of years ago, we spoke a lot about that blockchain will disintermediate everything. You know, there will be no banks, there will be no brokers, there will be no lawyers and so on. And I think what we, we kind of realize as an industry today is that's not the case. What it will do is it will change the nature of these so-called trust anchors. Because some of the tasks people has been doing in the past is just not value adding when you have a superior technology as blockchain or AI. But they will have a role if they choose to play that role. Because it actually takes up... You know, years and years of solid work to become a, a trusted institution or to become a trusted person or a trusted representative in a certain way. So I think what's going to happen is that some of these off-chain capabilities is anchored into how we are as humans. Not everybody would need to understand how the blockchain works, but they will probably benefit from that. And that means that you will get a, a, a situation where interoperability among blockchains, but even more importantly between blockchains and off-chain systems and between in a combination of, of the on-chain, off-chain and the traditional systems. And only by doing that, we will be able to cope with the need we have right now to protect our citizens and protect you know, the, you know, our way of life actually from turning in a very, very bad direction.
1: Yeah, 100%. Listen, you mentioned AI a couple of times. And I want to get to this point, because I think we are still in a time where people look at AI, and then people look at blockchain, but they are, they are considering two silos technology where actually they aren't because you can have, you know, a good, responsible, uh, transparent AI models. If you have blockchain that is backing the data and is powering, you know, good data to train certain models. But I would like you to add maybe some color, your perspective about how AI is actually helping or is uh, interacting with blockchain to move forward for a better society, better solution, better application.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't know if your listeners know, right, but we have some very large AI projects who's been on Cardano for, for quite a long time. And I have sort of a little bit of a different view on I than many other people, because I was uh, one of the first to introduce robo-advisory in capital markets and investment banking in Switzerland, and I've been working with the regulators around. You know how do you actually uh, dissect these decision trees uh, to protect the consumers? But I've also been in Brussels working with them on certain things. Regarding uh, data security and so on. So the way I kind of think about it is that AI is going to, is coming and it's coming very fast and you can't stop it. And I think, you know, regulating it is is the wrong move because you won't be able to regulate the whole world. You would need to kind of agree the whole world that on on a certain set of parameters and, and that won't happen. And when first this, you know, thing is out of the box, it's out of the box. So what you really need to do is you have to think about adjacent technologies and what is the value add and what will that do in terms of of securing the continuous development of AI, but also that we capture the value out of it without taking too much risk. And here I have a couple of points uh, which I normally sort of mention. Which might be new, but you know, let's uh, let me go through it a little bit, and then you can challenge me on it, huh? So the first one is uh, when you when you merge AI or machine uh, machine learning models or neural networks uh, with blockchain. The first point is data integrity and traceability because blockchain provides a secure and immutable record of data transactions. You basically get a different quality of the data integrity when you use blockchain data for the large language models and AI into uh, in the training. So it's basically about consistency and unaltered and traceability back to its source. Um, the second thing, so so you get more computable data is what I'm trying to say more, uh, yeah. on, a, on a lower level. The next thing is the decentralization of AI models. So when you build uh, AI models and you build that on a in a decentralized approach, you have the ability to democratize AI by allowing multiple parties to contribute to and benefit from shared AI models without a central authority. This is, of course, not something of large businesses want at large, right? Because it's, it's their, you know, it's, it's their work, is their property, right? They want to earn money on it, right? But I think, you know, in this way, you will really harness the power of, of open source software technology, but you will also have the ability to have a more equitable uh, usage of AI. So I think in this case, decentral, uh, you know, decentralization really means democratization of it. Then when we think about privacy and security, I do think that, as we spoke about before, that blockchain can enhance privacy and security in AI systems, where techniques like serial knowledge proofs, blockchains can help in securing data uh, sensitivity uh, we have the identity play we spoke about before. Then transparency and fair AI, which you alluded to, due to the fact that on a public permissionless blockchain, all these things are live. You know, the data is viewable, it might not be readable if you have a privacy layer on it, but you see the data structure. And that allows you to really think about audit and understanding of how certain conclusions were reached, which means that you have a new way of doing auditability. What many people don't realize is that when you look at these AI models in in neural networks, we actually don't understand how they take that decision. We see, you know, this is the parameters and we see a decision outcome, but we don't see any logical uh, conclusion in between. And then, of course, smart contracts and automated transactions uh, in a relationship to AI uh, basically means that you will have an enhanced collaboration uh, ability between the the technology stacks. So I think there's a lot with attributes towards this decentralization, transparency, and security of AI models by using blockchain and i think it cannot be under underestimated how important that will be in the future
1: yeah 100% i think we are still at a very early stage here because understanding all these components that you just mentioned i was quite interested in the decentralized aspect of ai using blockchain so enabling different people to uh, contribute to the data how you are going to make sure the integrity of the data if you are decentralizing that quality let's say integrity
0: yeah yeah so let's, let's let's think about that for a moment right so most people are sort of starting to become familiar with large language models as uh, open ai and BAT and, and and some of those right And i think we're you know it's so easy to use right but what people don't understand is that they don't verify whether things are correct or not correct what they do is they look at a very large amount of data most of the time this is the internet and on the internet It doesn't cost you anything to put up data. I mean, the cost of of publishing something is zero. But the cost of taking something down is very expensive. And that means that there's a skew towards incorrect and wrong information. And, you know, if you think about it on on, on Google, right? The first search results you get on page number one is amazing. But if you go down on page eight, nine or ten you will get a lot of scams and giveaways and you know you get all this wrong thing but you never go there as a human right you stay on page one because it's so good right now the way the large language models work is they look at all of the data and it doesn't look at whether it's correct or not correct. It just look at the data representative. And if you then fast forward to a, a data model on a blockchain, it is so that every time you want to put some data on a blockchain, it costs you something. Now on Ethereum, this can be quite a lot. On Cardano, is not a lot. And you can even find even Shiba blockchains, right? So, the, But the fact that it costs just a tiny little thing means that there's an economic cost of publishing the data. So already by that, as an economist, as I am, Looking at game theory, you would know that the data, all things being equal, would always be better on a blockchain because there's an associated cost to it compared to a system where the cost of distributing uh, and, and publishing data is free. So already there you can think about integrity must be better.
1: So fascinating. Listen, if we have to talk about project, they are uh, developing this uh, AI uh, next uh, technology intersected with blockchain, you mentioned that Cardano has been doing some uh, some work in the space uh, already. Uh, do you have uh, any specific uh, project or any specific area that, where you have seen some interesting development? I don't want you to, you know, to mention project if you don't want to. It's more about, you know, where you are seeing uh, maybe founders or developers focusing on, and you think that's uh, that's actually a very interesting uh, aspect.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think first and foremost, the decentralized data. On blockchains has allowed some really, really cool models in terms of AI representation and using the Cardano blockchain as a, as a data lake uh, is really moving nicely ahead. And if you want, you can go in on what's called Cardano cube and you can get sort of an overview on, on some of these projects in, in whatever area you want and also the, the, the more specifically AI and, and 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 that kind of thing. The other part is this idea about computable data, and and there we already done some integrations to some very large data providers who only does computable things. So if you wanna understand how many I don't know oil tankers who crossed the Caribbean Ocean in December month and with what kind of average cargo they were, you know, hauling and so on, um, you can actually do that and combine that with Cardano and the last language model today. So these kind of places where you have this ability to basically uh, not just look at the blockchain as being sort of a decentralized storage database, but you have the ability to say, okay, what I need to do is I need to have computable data I want to run a model on top of some computable data and I want to have the ability to anchor some hashes or have a trust layer in between where there is some transaction or there is some output in smart contracts can happen. Then what you've suddenly done is you change the the complete operating model for for reinsurance, for instance, right? Or you completely change the the, the way we look at tracking supply chain data uh, among you know uh, the European Union versus China, right? And and I think this is where I'm I'm really really excited to see how. Blockchain in the future will not stand alone like a technology which is what digital natives and Web3. What Blockchain is going to really do is it's going to go together with some uh, Internet of Things or sensor technology together with some of this compute data, right? And then you're going to be able to run these models on top of that. And then when you run those models, whether you're going to publicly show them or whether you're just going to leave a footprint of them, it doesn't really matter so much because you always leave a footprint when you interact with the with the blockchain which means you leave a little bit more on the table than what you took. And that little bit more on the table would allow you to do even more accurate models or use that data in another way, which we haven't even thought about today. And you would then by that create innovation, which is anchored into some of these exponential technologies, but using blockchain as a foundation. And then you have this hockey stick moment that is where, where where business models completely change. And we might have a chance that society actually can come together and work together instead of always sort of, you know, beseeching each other and warring against each other. A new trust layer for bridging technologies together is essentially what I'm talking about.
1: Well, there is so much work, I think, that uh, Cardano Foundation has been doing uh, on uh, you know the the infrastructure, the technology infrastructure, the governance, everything that we discuss right now to lay the fundamental to build a new a new so- so societal system is very interesting and I think that's probably one of uh, the major differentiator of Cardano from other blockchain that we said you know they break, you need to fix them and they just try to focus maybe on you know increasing trans transaction, increasing uh, uh, revenue of value created by, you know, the usage, you know, this TVL kind of metrics and, and stuff like that. Now, I know that Cardano had a big event earlier on last month. You also talk about computable data there. Uh, but do you maybe want to give me like a few highlights how the event uh, go? What are the major takeaways from the event? And um, you know, maybe, maybe after we can talk a little bit about the strategy that Cardano Foundation has for 2024.
0: Sure. Yeah. So we, we had what we call the Cardano Summit. Last year it was in Luzon in Switzerland. And this year we, we chose Dubai. Uh, one of the reasons for choosing Dubai for, for the main event, as we call it, was because Dubai has, has in the last sort of. Years they've been doing a lot in terms of technology and bringing transparency into the regulatory framework for technologies. Secondly, Dubai is—I don't know if you can think about it traditionally—but the geographical location of Dubai actually anchors in three continents: both Asia, Africa, and Europe. So it's, a, it's a, you know geographically really well positioned. And besides the event in Dubai, we had over 20 community-led events with thousands of of people coming together physically and discussing innovation, Cardano industry, um, what can you do on a blockchain, but also celebrating how far we come on the development circle. And what we really wanted to do in Dubai was we wanted to create a space where not only was it about, you know, third generation blockchains and Cardano, it was also about how we bridge the world into the off-chain world, really into the, the classical world, whether that's, you know, coffee producing or, you know, voting systems and so on and i think we we really did that extremely well so the event opened up with uh, dr Marvan, which is one of the persons who's been uh, incremental in building up a, a blockchain enabled dubai it's really amazing what they all put on a the blockchain there uh if, if you haven't noticed that that should be a maybe a future podcast for you to do is it's really mind blowing how much they have on a blockchain in Dubai. And, um, and, and from that, we basically worked ourselves into uh, both the technical aspects. So, you know, satisfying developers. We also worked into, uh, you know, the more policy and regulatory aspects. So we had both regulators uh, on stage from Abu Dhabi and from Dubai, uh, talking with uh, legal experts around, you know, clarifications around uh, blockchain usage, data structures, and so on. And we had a special event for, for stakeful operators because this is essentially the people you have to trust when you when you do something on a blockchain. In, in my case, is over three thousand nodes who is running with specific security architecture around that, securing that the blockchain has been up for over 2,000 days, right? Which is amazing if you think about it. I'm coming from banking and high-frequency trading, you know? We were happy if we had like 95, 93% on a weekly basis, right? Because we knew we had to take down the system and deploy things. Cardano has been constantly running for over 2,000 days, right? which is really amazing, same as Bitcoin, by the way, right? But not many other blockchains you can speak about that. You can't speak about any other technologies outside that who's been having that kind of track record. And we also had a lot of industries there, right? So we had the World Trade Organization, we had Petrobus there, which is uh, one of the world's largest oil companies. We had, you know, some of the world's largest uh, asset managers was there. We had uh, supply chain companies there. We had some, uh, you know, members of parliament, both from uh, from the UK, but also from Brussels, was there in the audience. They were not even on stage. We're even a stage now where you know members of Parliament they they show up <laughs> to our events because they want to contribute. They want to you know they they see that there's some things going on here, right? So uh, so you know it was a it was a fantastic event uh, and. Uh, yeah, very much looking forward to the next event as well. Uh, but there's many good blockchain events out there, right? And I also want to do a shout out to, uh, I mean, the Bitcoin community has some great events as
1: well. So, um, looking at 2024, we know that, uh, you know, there is the Bitcoin avenue and I'm a big fan of Bitcoin as well. So, you know, 100%, you know, is, uh, has gone really far with this uh, experimentation also and the development within the community. But, uh, we we are kind of entering now more like a positive let's not call it bull market let's call maybe a positive you know uh market where you will see some more appreciation of uh, blockchain and some more people coming into the space more adoption what are your expectation for cardano uh what are going to be the main area that you are working on what's your strategy for 2024
0: so for the Kadana Foundation, very high level, we're going to continue, uh, with the operational resilience, adoption and education. And, uh, this year, of course, is, a, uh, or next year, right? It's, it's going to be a lot about implementing this new governance layer. As I said, we just, I just voted literally today, a couple of hours ago on a, on, on what's called the Kadana ballot for the ratification or pre-ratification of CIF 1694. And uh, we already seen, you know, many, many people voting and, it it seems to be picking up so that's great Uh, and we would need to draft some kind of a constitution and uh, when i say constitution many people think about sort of an american constitution and and that's not too far off right because what you want to get to is a situation that certain governance events should be fairly easy to do right i want to move some code from a repository to go one chain and this code has been verified and technically uh, checked off and so on. So that should be sort of, it's a new feature, so it's great. But you could also think about, hey, I want to change the Cardano, you know, primary blockchain's monetary infrastructure. That should be a lot harder, right? Or you want to change completely how Cardano is structured. So the essence of Cardano. But what is the essence of Cardano? So when the way we think about it is when you think about a constitution, you actually need to go through the work of writing down a set of guardrails, which, you know, kind of reflects the, the core belief, the vision of what Cardano is supposed to do. And ideally you would do that in a way which is computer readable, that it, it can be sort of self-fulfilled in code. I don't think that's going to happen in the first iteration, but we definitely want to get to a situation that that next year we, 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 we have a lot of workshops and we're going to have a, a very good final draft, if not even a voting event on a constitution. Then uh, tooling. It's going to be important. So what we think about is digital enablers. So we're going to push more types of identity out there. We're working very hard, for instance, on the carry standard, which is what many people know as as the legal entity identifier, but also on machine-readable identities and, and other things. So we're going to keep expanding the tooling. So we have really good Python libraries now. We open from the foundation side some Java libraries. We have TypeScript with Lucid. We have Icon, which is a smart contracting language built in Rust. We have Haskell, right? So there's a lot of people who say, "Oh, Cardano is hard because it has to be Haskell." But we're actually in a place now where there's a lot of diversity, and we want to bring even more diversity out there, and specifically harness this EU TXO model, which um, is this model we've you know taken from, from from Bitcoin and extended, which basically allows you to do uh, you know things like side chains and interoperability and things like that way better. And the account based model. So interoperability we're going to see some big plays coming both from the Canada Foundation but from the community as well around interoperability um, next year as well.
1: So basically, yeah. if keep focusing on building this infrastructure, focus on the identity, focus on the governance on chain, I believe is going to be more partnership or collaboration with large institution, with government bodies, because those are your main, I, I wouldn't say client is probably the wrong way. I would say more partners, the one they understand, that, you know, also the, Uh, important groundwork that Cardano is doing, uh, you know, to build for the long term. And then I'm very interesting about interoperability because I think one of kind of like the challenging point of the Cardano um, ecosystem was really that the community is great. It's a fantastic community, but it's very close. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes down to actually transaction to, you know, collaboration is kind of like challenging because it's not so open to interact. With the blockchain, but with other blockchain, but the problem was really the technicality of of this interoperability. So, from what you are seeing, I I, I understand there is more positive outcome coming to open Cardano to other blockchain. Layer. Am I correct?
0: I would go even further than that and say really open it up into, you know, legacy applications around the world. So, um, you know, think about, you know, uh, connectivities to traditional things like, uh, you know, uh, Microsoft Dynamics and Salesforce and those kind of things. Because I think what you really want to get to is a situation that, can, you know, the blockchain is, an, is a backend tool and not everybody needs to understand, you know, and deal with backend stuff. You know, a lot of things is just, you know, you are dealing with, you know, an app or you're buying a produce or you're getting a service and you're having an interaction with a front end layer. And I think, you know, what you're going to see is some of these traditional middle layer platforms are going to anchor and figure out how to anchor and harvest some of this value on a blockchain. And then you're going to see new tools and services or or just improvements in what you do with on a deal with on on a daily time. So I think you have to think way beyond sort of interoperability of blockchains. Uh, and then really think about interoperability into the off-chain world. And I think that's why things get really, really interesting. So for instance, I, I showed you that wine bottle before, right? Here we're actually talking about, you know, um, a specific high definition QR code, right? So if I sort of polish that a little bit, it doesn't work anymore, right? So interoperability to those kind of adjacent technologies, which will allow us to, to move beyond Digital native and move into the classical world is is definitely something you're going to see being pushed way more from the Kedano Foundation. You will see more use cases out there. For instance, we we launched last year or this year, sorry. I'm Nearly already in January, um, we launched a collaboration with something called um, Merchandise and um, and a company who does um, near field radio beacons NFC chips. So we put six thousand NFC chips into some fabrics on uh, for the World Lacrosse Union uh, championships, right? And that allowed you to basically have a digital twin of your jersey or your bumper jacket, but it also allowed you to access the VIP lounge because suddenly that was your ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Plus it also allows you to, um, to, to resell it and create something there. And it allows the, the world across union. If you opt into it. But it's an opt-in; it's not per default, right? That they can send you updates about the next things or what happened after the match, right? So it gives you a new way of talking to the consumer, which is not related sort of to the classical channels that you which you have already existing today, right? Uh, so I think what you're going to see is adjacent technologies, uh, you know, starting to be interoperable with the blockchain, and by that you're going to see much wider use cases than things that starts digital and dies digital. Uh, it's going to move into your daily life, but I mean that's not I mean it takes more than 12 months but you're going to see much more of that
1: yeah 100 percent and I think that's probably what you know for example brands what you know companies are looking how we can use uh, this new technology to interact with uh, our customers base our community and uh, and I'm really glad that you mentioned that because obviously when it comes down for example to luxury industry and luxury brand you have got the problem of counterfeiting your pro- the problem of preserving the integrity of the brand And that, you know, that's where blockchain comes in also enhancing the experience that a user, um, actually, somebody that can be is part of the community, you are not a user anymore, you become you are empowered to actually engage with the brand with the product that you use much more. I've got this idea that I really think the influencer world of uh, brands should actually come from the community should be a decentralized movement rather than the brand picking three or four well-known celebrity to be their influencer or ambassador. They don't really maybe are so in the brand like actually the people using the product that the brand offer. Frederick, that was uh, such a great conversation. There was so much to talk. I would have gone on and on with you, but uh, yeah, I know that you have to rush. Uh, Thank you so much. And uh, I really wanna, I would like to have you back on the show sometime soon, maybe beginning of next year, where you can tell me more about uh, some new development in the Cardano community.
0: Very happy to do so. And uh, if you are a little bit on the technical side, I really give a shout out to, to Lucid and Icon. Maybe you can put some links into the Please. show notes. This is, uh, Lucid is a, Lucid is a, is a, TypeScript way where you can build transaction easier. So if you come from another ecosystem and, and UTXO is a little bit hard, then Lucid is a, is a good place to start. And Icon is a smart contracting uh, language. And I think you know that, uh there's a lot of really magical stuff happening there. So maybe maybe you can check that out if you're on the technical side. If you're on the business side, I think you should really pay attention to all the voting. Which Steffi really uh, kindfully was talking about, and this operation resilience which Cardano is really famous for. And uh, if you're just interested in blockchain, check out our Cardano Academy, which is uh, launching now here. I think in believe in a, in a two weeks time, where it really takes you from zero blockchain knowledge to to quite deep blockchain knowledge in general, not just Cardano, just in general. So it's a it's a really cool a uh, place to get really free, uh, verified, fantastic information about blockchain in general.
1: Thank you so much. We will put all the links in the description to make sure, you know, the people check out uh, those uh, very important information and, you know, they get educated because that's the main point. Frederic, thank you so much. <music>